Hey everyone, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. We're here at the end of... Yeah, I'm just going to the original thing, by the way. Uh, and this is the last <laughs> one we're doing of this. We officially got it. We're just going We're just going with the original title. That's it. That's what we're doing moving forward. Even, even if there's no space, we're just Podcast of the Galactic... We're Galactic Heroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We suffer through Paul Blart. Fuck them. <laughs> like, that's what I think. <laughs> Galaxy bring heroes here. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we're watching uh, episodes 23, 24, 25, and 26, a.k.a. The end. The end of Cowboy Bebop. It's over. It's over. And I forgot that one of these episodes was so late. And, like, watching it in context, it makes sense. And it makes sense that it's so late. But it, like, God, it's such a... Brain Scratch? Brain Scratch is such a weird episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, Brain Scratch is like such a bizarre episode. It is. Uh, yeah. They had some ideas that I like going with it, but I, I don't know if this is the place in the term of the overall series where they should have put it. It's weird. That's fair. Yeah, so, I mean, we can get to, get into it, but like just as, like to predicate it, Brain Scratch is really bizarre because it's like, insanely evocative of like heaven's gate like through the imagery like they're doing it very intentionally yeah Yeah. and it just i don't know it feels like lightly invoking heaven's gate for a one-off is so bizarre (laughs) like that's 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 a lot like heaven's gate is kind of a big deal i feel like just covering that in one go and just in out it's incredible yakuza zero spent more time (laughs) 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 but uh yeah it's Take it away, Kubo. <laughs> uh, sure. So the beginning of this episode is kind of weird. After the whole, you know, normal tank intro, it's just like the first four or five minutes of like someone surfing TV channels, and all the TV channels are talking about this new uh, group called Scratch, the Migrate to Electronics Movement. Um, the first like montage, like the first TV channel, is like a Scratch infomercial. Like it shows like kind of these video toaster wipes with a whole bunch of like almost cultish imagery you know it's the eagles cult and recruiter video yeah 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 it's the thing where it's that uh we put some money into it but we don't have incredible experts yes we're not, we don't have professionals it's video toaster exactly. ass wipes going everywhere yeah 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 like we paid for the thing so we have the technology to insert this stuff but we don't have anyone with the artistic training so it all comes <laughs> off as very amateurish yep. i mean it's a thing too like and if you've like uh watched anything or listened to the thing surrounding heaven's gate like that is a very I consistent feel like watch paid infomercials at four in the morning that too yeah <laughs> but like the, or super the amateurish camera work and that kind of stuff yeah like super church that kind of thing yeah it, it's that level of production and uh hats off i think they really nailed it they nailed like every single one board. of these like every single yes. tv show they did it's a good so job good yeah. yeah so they do that for a bit then someone changes the channel it's the cbc which is the nightly news it has like the whole kind of crane set up for the news anchor who looks very professional talking this is such a fucking action news at seven thing like yeah. oh my god yeah he's talking about how they're recruiting people but the police are cracking down because like there's been murders and stuff and you know it has all the transitions and wipes that you'd expect of a news channel yeah it's very on. reassuring to know that news channels don't change in the next 50 years <laughs> neither do scan lines <laughs> Next up, uh, we change the channel to Insane Order Scratch, which looks like a terrible B horror film with fake green blood, and they have like the Tiffany dun 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 drums going on in the background. And people talk; it's so good. It's very corny on purpose, <laughs> and it works. Absolutely. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, yeah. but for with Scratch, Scratch. like as they kind of like it, it's weird too because they almost establish Scratch as like this like known cultural entity, 
but then it sounds like it's like pretty quick how fast everything is like come and gone so far yeah yep. uh the channel changes again next time we're on a talk show it has your your camera a camera b set up it looks something i don't know, like ellen or whatever that has the hostess talking to this doctor who has like a title card saying he's like a neuroscientist and he's talking about like you know it could be possible to upload your brain to the internet but it's still theory at this point the host is just kind of nodding vacantly uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah uh, we changed the channel again. Now it's like a Mori type expose style show where there's this like blurred out person in their face talking to the host saying like, you know, he run away with my son or something and I don't know if he'll ever come back. And he's trying to give like relationship advice and there's a panel of judges and the audience is all there and everything. You should talk to your husband. It's his son too. And like all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's very, again, very evocative <laughs> of that style of programming of like somewhere between like, like Maury and um, Springer. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. the other one I was thinking of. Exactly. They just hit me like those, yeah. Uh, they yep. changed the channel again. Now it's this terrible Nordatrack DJ exercise. <laughs> this one is perfect. I love this it has one. has nothing to do with anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's talking about, like, you can exercise, and each of the things that you move are, like, hooked up to your DJ table so you can change the tempo of music and everything. And it's so, like, hip to DJ the max exercise. I, I love it because it is... It's the same kind of stupid that, like, looking back at old exercise equipment, yes. like, the things that make oh, you yeah. just jiggle in place, and you're like, wow, that's pretty dumb. Like, it's that, but it's also, like, it's a future version of that. <laughs> well, those yeah, it's, like, forward real, dumb. Like, yeah, they are. They're yeah, terrible. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, I love so it. We cut to another program. This is another kind of like interview. Like, can, I, don't, I don't know how to explain this one so much. It looks more like Oprah or something, like an interview style program. Yeah, it's but, like an audience interview type thing. They go and talk to people like in the crowd. But they're all cult members. Yeah. 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 It, it, is, it is very Oprah esque for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they interview, Oprah did some like pretty serious episodes now and again. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so they interview, and uh, lo and behold, Faye's on there, and she's looking completely brainwashed, talking about how she wanted to lose her debt, you know, and so she decided she'll join up with the cult and everything. If I upload and, myself to the internet, they can't charge me. Yeah, so it finally pulls back. Spike is watching TV, and he sees this, and he's like, yo, Jet, you gotta check this shit out. Found so, her! Yeah, so they come over and watch her for a bit, and they think, like, oh, she's up to some sort of scam or something. Um, it cuts back to the TV for a couple more things. Uh, we see something that actually comes up later. It is the uh, a TV commercial for Brain Dream, which is like a video console video game thing in VR that you put a headset on. And it, like it reeks of there's got to be a better way. It's like you don't have to use controllers anymore. It's so anymore. good. You won't it's lose like the bad guys. <laughs> it's a blend of like late 90s Sega and Nintendo uh, like advertising kind of pushes, yes. especially like Sega side. And then on top of that, like dumb infomercial shit. Too many controllers. Like, yeah, it has a mom yeah. slugging to the camera with the too many controllers. It's yeah, it's real great. <laughs> she throws them out when it's all like fake Nintendo controllers, like old like NES controllers and shit. It's amazing. Yeah, there's also like a PSA saying like only good programming is on this TV. Da da da. You know. So anyway, um, or it's, it, it says specifically they're like. <clears throat> We're part of, you know, whatever broadcasting league or guild. And that means we have, uh, what is it? Like, we have regulations preventing us from airing programming that's not appropriate for children, such as the stuff we just aired. <laughs> it was like something like that. It's like, it's like yeah, we have regu- Yeah, we totally promised that we wouldn't just do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it cuts over to uh, Spike and Jet. They're looking into um, the scratch thing on their computer. The guy's leader name is Dr. Londis. He's been shown in a lot of the Scratch infomercials. This creepy looking dude. Like Super cult culty, like. Yeah. Cult leader, yeah. Eastern mystic kind of vibes. 
So um, the, one- uh, the like the forced intensity from the eyes is the yes. big thing. Like the yeah. eyes are always fully open, one hundred percent, and looking straight forward. Like turns their head to look at shit to make sure that their eyes are more in line and piercing kind of shit. You know? Yeah, he's also got like that hair that's like wet, slicked back that just kind of screams to me of trying too hard, but. <laughs> um, he's wanted for murder. Apparently, his bounties were 38 mil. Um, the backstory is he used to be an R&D neurobiologist. Uh, then he heard God and decided to change his you know, focus. Went missing for like 10, 15 years and then came back to start scratch. And now it's like scanning people's minds and uploading them onto the internet. So we cut over the Faye. Um, she's actually not brainwashed. She's uh, investigating the scratch people and like walking around this like warehouse. It's run down. They, like, it's never, like, completely explain. in ruins, basically. Yeah. Um, she's poking around. She finds a bunch of dead bodies. And then, like, in front of her, there's this pillar of TVs that's, like, 30 feet tall. And they all just start turning on with, like, that CRT click and scan line noise. You entered my zone, Faye! That's <laughs> <laughs> basically what happens. They, yeah, they, like, really get a lot of good shots of that in this episode of the TV <laughs> Tower. I, I don't like, understand how the TV Tower, it just, like, turns on on its own. Like, obviously, it's being handled by the guy like we understand that much we figure out that part but how does it like brain drain people good <laughs> question the thing. they actually kind of hand wave it later that. with some explanation <laughs> but it's stupid yeah um but yeah she looks at the tv and the guy's face shows up londis's face shows up and then like she starts getting dizzy and passes out there's also a couple bunch of bodies in the room so she's not the first one yeah basically um, so we get a montage of Jet and Spike. Don't get lured into my zone. <laughs> Power of TVs from like near Automata or something. Yeah. Or like Persona 4. It yeah, looks yeah. like that too. Yeah. yeah. Neuromancer. We could go through all the cyberpunk shit, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to, we kind of get a montage of Jet and Spike uh, doing some legwork. Uh, Jet is asking all of Londis's old colleagues, like this one guy has dementia or something, doesn't remember anything. Uh, They're doing the exact detective work that they always do. Yeah, Spike is talking to a bunch of like these scratch disciples, evangelicals that are on the street trying to convert people. Um, Also shows Ed looking around on the internet for people. Uh, We cut back to the TV, of course. It's big shots on. Uh, They have no info on Londis, and they're really upset about that. Also, uh, Punch has some big news. Uh, They're canceled. Oops. Their TV ratings (laughs) suck. (laughs) And there's a fantastic shot here of, like, he's like, we're canceled. We're off the air. And then, like, Judy immediately breaks characters. Like, go hear from my agent about this. Fucking what? Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) And, like, holy shit. I just want to say the energy on this and the way it's handled. So recently, there was a program called HQ. (laughs) Now, what HQ was, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, and y'all are going to have to fucking ride with me because this shit whips. You got to watch this video. So so there's this show called HQ, and what it was is it was like a trivia show where everyone in the world would play with a little app on their phone, and you could win like real money prizes. It was basically a tech company startup thing, and it ended like most tech startups do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long, yeah. Long story short, there, there, there ain't no more money, <laughs> and uh, they had their final episode where they announced they were canceled, and this was the last one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And holy shit, r- seriously, look up like HQ's last episode. It's They're unbelievable. Drunk as fuck. They are fucking hammered. They're so drunk. At one point, like they have this huge bottle of champagne, and they're like, "This is for if we got." 300 million subscribe 300,000 so we got it hey and like he's like they totally didn't he's like well we didn't get there but 
hey, let's open it. And he's like, rip it open. And he's just like, you hear a guy off camera just be like, no, don't open it. And he's like, ah, too bad. <laughs> it's great. It's, oh, God. Like, one of them just starts, like, dancing with a broom in the middle of it. Complaining about how, I got no money. <laughs> God. Yeah. One person Look gets up, a the resume out, I believe. Is, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if, like, this little part, this couple seconds from Big Shots was instead 45 of the funniest minutes ever recorded. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <sighs> well. Beautiful. Big Shots is canceled. Yeah, Big yeah. Shots is canceled. <laughs> Um, we see Spike and Jet um, come back into the Bebop. They got nothing. They both have no leads. Um, then they get a call from Faye. Uh, she's on the monitor. Says like she looks really woozy and says like, "Oh, my money's gonna be or my debts are gonna be clear." And then she passes out. We cut to uh, Jet in a toy store in line with a bunch of kids. He's trying to buy a brain dream because they think that maybe if they look into the programming, they can figure out where what's happening. It's pretty um, smart. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Spike is off looking for Faye because apparently she's into over her head again. Uh, back on the Bebop, uh, Jet brings the brain dream machine and hooks it up and gives it a go. Um, as they load up the program and start to do the whole thing, first off, this program looks very made in Flash, which I appreciate. It, it's the like way. the yeah. same aesthetic as the cult recruitment video, but <laughs> with, you know, a basic menu and DVD yeah. shit of the yeah. very first this time whole, that someone ever this did whole... this. This whole episode has unbelievable Hypnospace Outlaw vibes, oh, just yeah. like across yeah. the board. But this last part with the program in particular is tremendously Hypnospace Outlaw. It looks like, like something that would have been a quiet- hypercard. Back in the day, yeah, like there's like a, 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 a like a, a quiet but stern voice, kind of like through a iffy microphone, narrating you through <laughs> an open landscape. Like it's very strong. Yeah, so they start the whole process of trying to upload Jet's brain as a test subject. Um, Ayn immediately starts going ape shit and just growling. Um, Jet starts getting hypnotized as the program continues, and so he is woken up from this dream from with Ayn just biting him in the leg really hard. Good dog. Like. Puncture wounds through pants yes. level, uh, like on every tooth. Like it is a very severe, severe bite that rips him out of this. It is yeah. a proper dog bite. So uh, Ein saves the day count plus yep. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's gonna do it again too. Yeah, we cut the jet telling Spike about how it uses weird, like high frequency hypnotic bullshit to try to make him hypnotize or something. Spike doesn't care. He's looking for uh, Faye in the warehouse she was in. So they go, uh, Jet has the great idea, if it doesn't work on me, let's try it on dogs. So they put the thing on Ayn's head. and I, Clearly I, it couldn't stop a dog from, <laughs> brain, dogs have weird brain waves. There's nothing in the EULA that says you can't upload a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they start putting Ayn in there and immediately like the hacking thing goes crazy on Ed's computer and Jet's like, oh, you know, Ed, you're doing a really good job, but. And it's, and it's like, like breaking what? in instant. Yeah, it's like all breaking in in one try. Like everything is instantly happening. The uh, the like the action speed, like the action, the APM the on this, this dog, dog has unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable APM on this fucking Good, dog. Doesn't dog. even have opposable <laughs> thumbs. Godlike this now, dog. <laughs> I love the pan up from from Ed being confused, and you see that like she's not touching that keyboard at all, and it's like, oh, it's the Ayn dog. Is just wiggling around in the, in the oh, headset. He's ears going going through all the files looking through it oh it's so good yeah so Ayn is uh, doing his whole super hacker thing and eventually like they get far enough in the program where he gets the location of where all the data is going to and lo and behold it's a hospice which is strange we cut back to Spike Uh, he finds a Faye in the TV tower tower of TVs or whatever in the warehouse 
Uh, Londis pops on the TV saying that Faye's still sleeping, but uh, the other people in the room also were sleeping and they slept too long and now they're dead. Spike asks, like, so why are you killing your own members? And Londis says, like, oh, they're just practicing a faith they, you know, put their beliefs in. I didn't really have to do anything. Man invented God. Yeah, he gives the whole man invented God speech. I'll just kind of gloss over that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've heard I like it how it's like the you've big pinnacle moment. No, nope. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, and TV is the devil is also... Uh, oh, we'll get there in a second, but yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Jet engineers... So Jet goes to the hospice dressed up nice in a nice suit, and Ed is like in this dress. And they're like, oh, we want to visit the person. And the guy out front is like, oh, you can't. There's no visiting hours. The rules are very strict. And he's like, he starts like, well, I wanted... It's a long story. And so like they cut to back to Spike, who's saying that like he doesn't like illusions and he wants to see the real Londis. Um, the Londis guy's like, oh yeah, this is really a character. I don't exist. Um, Londis says the worst TV, worst thing never created was TV, and the, like it can control people. If this fool heard about Twitter, yeah. oh man, it's very Facebook? funny to hear this. Facebook, yeah. Oh, this guy at Banky, all of it. He'd be like Banky on Facebook. He'd be like, Facebook. Think otherwise, <laughs> they got him again. Yeah, Londis. It, it, but it is, is kind of like. The central thesis isn't that wrong. It's just the medium changed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he says that people like get bombarded with information until they lose track of what's really real. It's the new religion. People don't have to believe in anything. They're just controlled by the information, which are dots of light. Um, it cuts back to Jet. He is telling the end of the story. He is like, oh, we tracked him here, and now we're going to show him to my long-lost daughter or something. The guard is crying. Ed it's- is not even slightly in character here. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we cut back to Spike. He is getting brainwashed slowly, starts shooting at the TV to try to snap himself out of it. Um, Spike then taunts Londis, saying, like, oh, you're just like a kid who has a new toy or something. And Londis gets upset and then, like, starts realizing he's being disconnected from the network and starts freaking out, says it's unfair, that he, like, wants everyone to have the same body as him. This is where we cut back to Jet and uh, Ed, who are disconnecting this kid that they found. Um, this, like, 15-year-old kid who's in a coma with, like, a brainwave device over his head is being disconnected from the network, and that's who Londis is. And turned yeah, out very specifically the saying, yeah, exactly. Like disconnected from the network, do not turn off the life support. <laughs> do don't do that. That would be fucked up, Ed. Don't do that. Yeah. So it does they, make sense that this whole screed was coming from a fifteen year old. It does seem very fifteen year old just found out about libertarianism. <laughs> and uploaded himself to the internet. Uh-huh. He just read philosophy. Oh my god! Imagine you would never age. You'd be stuck as a fifteen-year-old online forever. Imagine the kind. Imagine the kind of hell being that would come from a fifteen-year-old online. Fifteen-year-olds, but imagine being fifteen years old online for a hundred years. The ultimate troll. Yes, another one in the pile of small child who is actually very scary, which is definitely a bit of a theme in this show. Yo, Twilight Zone 2020, hit me up. I have some hot ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jet looks up the kid's dossier. The kid's name is Ronnie. He used to be a hacker, but then he fell into a coma due to some medical accident. Uh, Jet coughs him to the bed and kind of walks off. Uh, we cut back to Faye waking up next to Spike, asking where she is. Spike just chuckles. Uh, back to Jet. He gives the epilogue saying that like he was a kid that was trapped in a dream, so we can't really blame him for only trying to dream or something. And then Ed's like, maybe he'll have sweet dreams. Who knows? And then the last scene of the episode is Londa saying that like the body is a shell for the spirit and the spirit has unlimited potential or something like that. Again, it's very 15-year-old Fred Philosophy 101. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to take a second to appreciate 
Ed's incredible acting. <laughs> There's so a lot nice. of actually good shots of Ed in this. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, when they're trying to look into Lochter Lawn, this dude, they're eating in like in front of the computer, and Ed screams seconds, and then like Jet says dry light, that's all there is. Then she's like, oh, and slams her face on the table. <laughs> yes. I love her oh. wiggling when she's like, look through all the internet and then can't find him. Like yeah. anywhere, and she's like, ah! Hey, she looks like a squid drying up or something. <laughs> hey, everyone. I almost forgot. We need to take a fucking second to talk about the fact that Spike doesn't know what the fuck cereal is. Because <laughs> at the beginning of this fucking episode, the beginning of this fucking episode, they're sitting down and they're having a bowl of what I presume is cereal because it starts with. I don't think so. I thought it was like that. Like I thought it was like the beef and uh, green onions or whatever. Like thing he always makes. I thought it was just cereal because Ed puts milk into it and starts eating it with a spoon, like a metal spoon in a glass bowl, (laughs) and like is enjoying it. And Spike looks at this, goes hmm, and cracks his beer and pours it into it and tries Beerios (laughs) and realizes very quickly, like every college student has, that Beerios is a bad fucking idea. (laughs) But here's the thing. What bothers me isn't the fact that Spike tries Beerios. Because, again, who among us has not at some point tried a Beerio? It happens. What bothers me is the fact that Spike seems to be inspired upon seeing the idea of milk in cereal and is like, hmm, what cereal? I, ab- so I <laughs> just looked this up idea. that it's absolutely beef stir fry. It is? Okay, cool. I was worried. I was like, does Spike not know what cereal is? <laughs> I mean, okay. that doesn't make it any less gross, but it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might well, still like, be at canon. least it's not cereal. Also, yeah, don't just pour beer on this shit, you Steve Brulat. <laughs> For your health. Oh, if the beef's too hot, you can put beer on it. It makes it colder. <laughs> yum, yum. Um, one of the shots I really like of this episode is when Spike is doing the legwork. Um, he's talking to these scratch guys that are handing out leaflets. Um, as he's talking to them, this couple walks by them and like the guy hands them a leaflet and the guy just <laughs> takes it and drops it on the ground the most casual way. And I got to say, Instantly. living in San Francisco, I've seen yeah. this exact thing transpire. Same. I, I did it. I had to do it on Purdue's college campus once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of the walk and like, oh, yep, thank you. And like literally as soon as you to round the corner, just like, and ground. I am not really <laughs> tried. Like, it is such a good, so relatable. Oh, uh, yeah. The scene where uh, Punch and Judy break character during the cancelization of their show is fantastic. Is like Punch just starts crying and Judy immediately just like starts raging at the camera about her. She agent. goes straight to anger. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else is good in this one. Uh, so the, the shot of Jet in line at the toy store for the Brain Dream just gave me a lot tur- of Turbo Man dolls like vibe yes. from it. Yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Uh, oh God, this, which came first, Cowboy Bebop or Jingle All the Way? Oh shit! <laughs> uh, let me look this up. Yeah, maybe Uh-oh. Jingle All the Way is giving us Cowboy Bebop vibes. <laughs> Jingle All the Way was ninety six. Bebop was ninety seven, I believe. There you go. Yeah. Stole it Same from time. that Arnold Could've Schwarzenegger been. vehicle. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> that I've enjoyed. Yeah, I have not seen. No one tell me if Jingle All the oh. Way is canceled. I haven't seen it in years and I don't desire to now. And I don't care if it's canceled. <laughs> That's my take. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the shot I said earlier about... Uh, the cuts between Jet starting his long-winded story and the end of his long-winded story when trying to get his way into the hospice. 
because like the guard is completely like angry at him in the first shot and then like crying in the second shot and it's also yeah. clearly a really dumb bad story but because they both have big dad energy it just gets across mm. oh also when they unplug <laughs> when they unplug Londis, he like slowly unpowers one one voxel at a time <laughs> yes. and like yes. turns back into like it's like the phases of andros in like star fox 64 <laughs> i'm glad you wrote that down because it is yeah he exactly looks sort of like andros right. yes yeah like, <laughs> where he turns into like the polygons and stuff oh it's yeah, so it's funny so, like, this is like cgi face like dematerializes or whatever and he's like slowing down as he talks too. Like it just has extremely big. But I'm the great Android. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that episode has a lot of fun stuff in it. I like the. I mean, the episode itself is pretty simple, but like in terms of style, I like the TV switchings things. Yeah, works out very well. There's so many homages. Yeah, yeah it's like so well done. Um, so let's go to episode uh, 24, which is Hard Luck Woman. Um, Faye is watching a beta tape in her room. Um, she starts, she keeps pausing the tape to point out things, and she sees a merlion, which is like one of those fountains with like the lion head but the fish body or whatever. It's very clear that she's done this before. Like, it's late at night, and she is just focused on this as if she's going to find something from it. Yeah. Um, Ed shows up next to her without her knowing. She freaks out, and then like Ed's like kind of says that she knows where it is, and of course, Faye tries to get some information out of Ed, but Ed becomes coy. Um, we cut the spike. He's on the Bebop's deck. He's brushing his teeth, just kind of looking out towards the water because their you know, ship has landed. Jet wanders on and wonders where they are. Apparently, they're on Earth and they were going to Mars, so Jet wonders why they're out there and starts getting angry. Uh, spike says that the girls are gone and Jet gets angrier. We cut to the red tail. Poor uh, Jet. <laughs> yeah. These they, whole set of episodes. Poor Jet. I mean, he's the straight man in this group, so. Yep. On the red tail, Faye is telling Ed that, like... Also, Jet gets away maybe the best, for the record. True. <laughs> I <Yeah>. guess. Financial <laughs> ruin is probably the best out of the... F- well, I don't know. Ed probably gets away the best, Who honestly. knows what but, happened to Ed? Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so on the red tail, Faye is telling Ed that um, if she she leads her to where that waterfall merlion thing is, like, I'll give you a good, you know, present. And so Ed is very happy about this. By the way, this entire shot is fantastic because we see the red tail from underneath, like, shot up into the sky. We see Ed looking up into the sky as, like, they're flying. Then we see undershot of Faye flying it. And then it realizes that, like, it pulls out and Ed is just strapped to the roof of her ship. Duct taped to the red tail. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Um, we cut over to a shot of a meteor hitting Earth. We see this amphibious car driving along and like running over to the crater. These two guys whose names are Apple Dehai, Apple Deli. <sighs> the thing they said in the dub said Apple Deli. Apple Deli and McIntyre. And McIntyre. Um, they get out, run down the side of the crater, and then immediately realize that it's way too fucking hot in the crater, so they run back up the side of it. We'll Turns see out a meteor striking the Earth will heat things up a little. Just a little. Uh, we cut the town at the bottom of the crater. Ed is digging through some trash, and Faye is realizing that she has been tricked by Ed into going absolutely nowhere near where this merlion is. Then we see these kids start popping out of the trash heaps, kind of like prairie dog style. Um, they spot Ed and call out to her, and apparently Ed knows these kids. And they are all Ed. Yes, uh, pretty much. They all have like these weird-ass quirks, and they run over the Faye, and they start uh, like kind of bugging her. And... Um, yeah, like one kid has... It's a, so good. The escalation of, I have a weird toy. Do you like it? To the next kid who goes, hey, can I have your nails? 
Nice yeah, fingernails. These, kid, these kids all have extremely weird quirks. And by the way, the kid's not like, can I have your nails? It's like, can I have your nails? I'm having a nail collection. I would love Super to have your cutesy. nails. Super cutesy. Yeah, it's like the cutest kid. But Just your pinky. Yeah, so eventually Faye's get, Faye gets sprayed down by a hose by a nun whose name is Sister Carla. Uh, we cut to Carla apologizing, saying, like, oh, it's the only way I can make those kids pay attention. <laughs> it's the only way they'll listen. <laughs> get spray the fire with hose. hose out. Uh, she starts giving them all food and calls them so they all get around their own table and eat. Um, she starts talking with the sister, asking if Ed's around from here. Apparently, Ed came five years ago, um, but then left later on. Like three years ago, so it's yeah. been a bit. Yeah. Uh, Faye's like, okay, this is all cool and everything, but like, I'm looking for something. I got to leave. And Ed brings up the fact, it's like, oh, I know where that Merlion is, but I just came here because the food's good. And Faye's, of course, very upset. The nun remembers that uh, Ed has a present waiting for her, so um, she gives it over, and it's a holographic picture of her father, who happens to be that Apple Deli guy. Uh, Yes, we recognize him, but he hasn't been around since then. Yeah. Uh, The nun explains that her dad was here looking for her, and then, like, he put her here years ago in the orphanage, but then forgot about it, which... Tells you all you really need to know about Ed's whole family. Um. The nun brings up a line that says, like, uh, people need to cherish the ties that they have. And this kind of strikes a chord with Faye not having, not knowing her background. Um, we also cut to scenes of Apple Deli and McIntyre. Their whole gimmick is they update maps. Um, the Earth gets hit by meteors all the time. And so they feel they need to update it for They're running reason. from meteor to meteor to update maps. As an aside, do you think they get paid for that? Or do you think it's an open source project? Absolutely open source. Yeah. Open source. Yeah, with Ed's dad. Yeah, yeah. open source. Mm-hmm. I could see them on the news list, the news email list, uh, talking about that. Anyway, uh, we cut the Faye. She is leaning on a rail looking at the Merline from the beta tape, so she's finally found it. Um, she's greeted by an old lady who introduces herself as Sally Young, one of the uh, students in Faye's graduating class. Um, there's a bunch of quick flashbacks here of Faye's past. Um, Pretty much the things we've seen on the tape of her walking around as a student, um, places that look like Singapore. It's not Singapore. Um, Sally starts took, looking at uh, Faye like she's seen a ghost, um, saying, like, you look the same as you did all those years ago, and ghosts appear in places where they have regrets. We get, again, a recap of Faye's backstory, um, saying that uh, she was put in the cryostasis after her accident and whatnot. Her granddaughter shows up, and as Sally goes to introduce Faye to her granddaughter, Faye's like, oh, I'm just a ghost, don't worry about me. Grabs Ed by, like, the cuff of her neck and runs off. And runs the fuck away, because she's starting to realize she's not going to like what she learns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they fly back to the bebop where Jet is trying to chew her out, but, like, Faye gives him this, like, super resentful don't fuck with me look. And this Jet's is, gonna- like, ultimate dad moment on Jet's part where it's like he is so ready to give his speech but then he looks at her and is like oh You're nothing I could shit. say to you is possibly like could yeah, she's, more than this yeah she's definitely dealing with some stuff so he lets her go um, we see a quick thing of Ed doing some hacking on a PC uh, Jet talks to Spike saying he wonders where they went Spike's like oh just let him do whatever um, they look at a new bounty on their PC. It's Apple Deli. It's for 50 million Wulons. They're very happy that they're getting a good bounty that's so close. It's easy, you know. Get your money's worth for coming <laughs> to Earth. cut the Apple Deli. He is sucking eggs. <laughs> big he time. cracks an egg with his finger, like, at the top of it, and then just sucks it dry. <laughs> this might be the most alpha move I have ever seen. I, Yeah, it's really something unbelievable. Like, that makes you think they're, like, somewhere in... They're somewhere between raw and soft boiled, right? Like, it can't be too hard boiled. That or this fool's got like 
No, he's like straight up. Those are raw. Like it showed the chickens earlier on the top oh, of his little is? amphibious yeah. thing. Oh, okay. He so he's just. Chickens. Oh, he's just chugging raw eggs yep. right yeah. in the shell. He's even like they're good yeah. for you to to Macintosh, whose name he it can't should be remember. noted that the dub actually says "sucking eggs" at this point, which it is... does say "sucking eggs." Yeah, he goes "sucking eggs" is good for you. It's great. <laughs> great way to get salmonella. Woo! Delicious. Yeah, so he's talking to McIntyre. He's constantly like misnaming McIntyre and uh, says like you shouldn't worry about the small stuff. And they go chase another meteor. And McIntyre's not very happy with it. Yeah. And for the record, again, Ed's Ed's father is so clearly a dad that doesn't really care. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he's just like so wrapped up in work that nothing else matters. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so we cut over the Faye. She's lying on her bed in her bedroom in like a depressive fugue. Um, she goes and takes a shower and she takes one of those showers where like you just kind of stare close-eyed at the faucet for like 10 minutes i think we've all been there at some point um this next scene though I, i'm gonna stop here and actually talk about what they're what they're filming because it makes like yes. a bit of a difference and is maybe one of the best scenes i think in the entire series uh i actually timed it all of this happens within a minute so we see Faye in the shower uh she's kind of like staring at the faucet and then we see like a close-up of her eyes opening suddenly in like a fisheye we flash back to a green screen, like a green toned um, montage. And these are all super quick shots of the ocean, that merline, a pool, a, a drink on a beach, some rain hitting the asphalt, a schoolyard, a bunch of teddy bears, a man reading a book pacing in front of a window, the ocean waves. We see her eyes again, and then it's a school bag, a female student laughing, the one we saw in the videotape from earlier, uh, a swing set, some food on a table that looks real good, um, a girl's bed. Then it's a picture of her in a space shuttle that are like going up in the space. It's like a commercial flight. Um, there's a drink floating in front of her. Then you see the moon out the window. She's looking at it. Then a far shot of the shuttle with like an explosion happening at the back. The moon uh, through the window, which is cracked, and there's blood in front of it. Uh, her panicking. And then it's back to her wide-eyed in the shower. And then it's just sounds of the shower getting louder. And uh, that scene is really good. I can't yep. really do it justice by telling you what happened here, but it's you really You need to watch yeah. that. It's, I mean, it's basically just all of Faye's memory coming back at, at once. once. Maybe, maybe too much yep. at once. And it's, holy shit, they really do a great job just telling a story the in bare the essentials. shortest time possible. Yeah, it's the bare yeah, essentials, but your mind puts nuts. together what happened in like a perfect way. And can like very much picture a childhood and things where like all of those things along the way make sense. Like it's a very... It's a very typical story, right? Yeah. In a way that you can follow super fast. It's, yeah. But the pre the presentation, too, is just devastating on the flight. Like, it builds up to that, and then you just see her get on the plane, and it's just like, Ugh! <laughs> Yeah, so it uh, Spike is leaving the bathroom. Um, she runs into him, like, half-dressed out of the shower, and he gets kind of mad at first. But, like, she gives him this wide-eyed, speechless stare. And, like, there's a good job for the VAs here. Like, she just can't speak. And, like, Spike's like, what the hell is going on? So she apologizes. Um, she says sorry, and this freaks Spike the fuck out. Yeah, because she's never apologized for anything. <laughs> um, and it's weird, too, because, like, she's let down her usual, like, hard-ass persona and is now just kind of a wide-eyed, scared kid. The, this and, is so much, like, like, this episode has so many amazing character moments in it where, like, you can kind of just tell what Faye is feeling at any given time and... Without words, too. Yeah, like, without ever really saying anything at all. 
Yeah, so we cut over to her getting the red tail. Um, Ed kind of flips over and asks where she's going. Uh, she tells Ed that like she's going back to where she belongs and that Ed should probably go to where she belongs as well uh, and then goes and takes off. Uh, Spike goes and tells Jet that Faye took off again and Jet makes some crack mark about like a woman's hearts are as fickle as the skies of Ganymede, which that's a bad expression. Sure, Jet. <laughs> Um, we cut over to Spike and Jet getting ready. They're going to confront Apple Deli. Um, this scene is actually really could, cool too. Um, the song Don't Bother None starts playing while they're like prepping to talk to him. They go over and they start trying to arrest him saying that he has a bounty on his head. He doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, he <laughs> throws an egg at them which cracks on both of their guns which apparently knocks them out. So Spike sees this as an opportunity to go do some Kung Fu. The harmonica in the song kicks in here which is real good and he starts uh, fighting Apple Deli. Apple Deli absolutely no-sells everything Spike sends out. Like, he starts kicking. He's just, like, one-handed blocking. He's just kind of not moving at all. Um, it's really good. Like, Spike is chicken and jiving and Clearly putting all of his everything into this for yeah. once. And yeah. this guy's just standing there and, and very calmly just, just blocking, blocking him, him and, dodging. and pushing him out of the way and just being like, I... Minimal effort. Yeah. The thing I really love about this too is the entire time they're doing this sequence, there's like three different levels of animation happening. Yep. There's the there's Apple Deli himself, who's just a mountain. This man isn't moving. He's yep. like the larger portion of the shot. He doesn't move unless he absolutely has to. And for the most part, yeah, it's just raising an arm to just kind of be like, "Hey, stop it! Come on, no!" <laughs> and then you have you have Spike going at full speed, kind of like juking and jiving, weaving, spinning around, bouncing around, trying to do his Bruce Lee shit. And then you have the camera, which is like kind of in between the two of them, weaving back and forth. Like it's kind of like that mid speed between them, and it's so good. Yeah, like this scene is just so fun to watch the the greatest part about the scene is they are fighting in uh there's a pulled back shot of they're like fighting on the edge of this crater that's near the water and there's a pulled back shot of like spike going crazy but in the background you see the bebop approaching like towards the camera at full speed yes and is freaking out about this but like apple deli and spike are oblivious to it until it's like right on top of them and uh yeah it's just a fantastic shot and Spike so, breaks first here. He's like, oh my god, I'm going to get run over and runs away. The mountain yeah. man's and like, I'll stop this ship. I'm a mountain, dude. <laughs> yeah, Apple Deli just stands there until it's like right up on top of him. So uh, we cut over to Apple Deli. He looks up at the Bebop, and then Ed kind of peers over from the top deck. And then Swan dives, like Lupin style, right at him. And he catches her, like, as she is nosediving at him, like, perfectly rigid. By the ankles. He By the ankles. <laughs> like, and she fucking planks it. <laughs> the kid has abs for days. So yeah, um, this is the Looney Tunes family, and they have Looney Tunes abilities between yeah, them. It's yeah. quite it's terrifying. It's only getting bigger when they come close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they start playing like he starts chucking her up in the air, and she's spinning and flipping and stuff. And Spike and Jet are dumbfounded. Ed introduces them, um, and Apple Deli headbutts Spike again, and Ed's like, "No, no, no, these are good people." So he's like, "Oh, okay." And yeah. it puts like the eggs on his chest as he's lying on his back on the ground. Yeah, Ed's just like. I know these guys. It's Jed and Spike. And then, yeah, he just immediately walks up. She's like, no, no, no. I, I know them. Like, they're cool. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Should have been clear. Should have been clear. Should have been clear. Yeah. Yeah. So Apple, though, is like, hey, Ed, you should join me. And Ed's kind of thinking about it. And then another meteor crashes behind them. And he runs off, leaving the three of them just standing there like idiots. Um, we cut the Faye. Uh, she has parked her red tail back at, like, I guess, her neighborhood that she knew as a kid. 
Um, she starts running up this hill, and as she's running up the hill, it starts flashing between her as an adult running there and her as a kid running up the same hill coming home from school. And this is like the past shots are all soft-focused, super idyllic, perfect camera angle. And every time it cuts back to her, she's just like panicking more and more. And the camera's like close up in her face. Like it is such a yeah. perfect also, contrast. Also in the touch they had, the flashback shots, the first one, she's really young. She's like a kindergartner kid or something. Mm-hmm. And each progressive flashback is her growing up. So the yep. last flashback of her is like a teenager. And it's explaining like, that, you know, yeah, she spent a huge portion of her life here. So yeah. like and she knows it, now. it really establishes it. Yeah, it kind of nails the feeling of going back to your your hometown after being gone for so much time. Yeah, where it's like, you know where things should be and like everything's a little different, except, you know, obviously amplified a whole whole lot since, (laughs) yeah, things have gone over. But like, even then, like it's pushed so hard that like there's a there's a definite relatable like tinge to that that I didn't get when I first watched this. And like yeah, the final uh, shot is great because it keeps flashing quicker and quicker. And then like the last flashback shot is of her opening, I guess, the front gate to her estate. And then it, the white dissolves the white. And then like it shows her standing there in an empty lot where there's nothing. Like it's just house ruin. Yeah. Um, so the end of this episode, it plays the song Call Me, Call Me, which is very uh, nostalgic. And the rest of it's almost a montage in a way. Um we see, uh, let's see, first off is Ayn kind of leaving the bebop. He's sitting there waiting for Jet to make food and stuff. Um, he kind of walks out of the kitchen. Ed is handing Spike a pinwheel and runs off. We see Ed walking through the ruined earthscape uh, behind them. Ayn leaves the bebop, kind of looks indecisive, runs around in a circle for a second, then runs off. Uh, Jet calls for dinner, but no one shows up. Uh, Spike is on the bridge looking down on the deck of the bebop lighting cigarettes. Uh, to which they pan down, and it's a huge face that Ed has drawn in red paint that says bye-bye. With the smiley face that Ed's used, like, in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut over to Faye. She is in the lot of her childhood house, draws a box around on the ground, and just kind of lies down in the dirt. Yeah, like, the foundation is basically still there, and she's in a room that was clearly her bedroom mm-hmm. back then, and um, she draws a little box with I should it. mention all of this is happening during sunset, which makes a difference. Um, we see uh, Spike and Ed, or Sp- Spike and Jet eating eggs. Apparently, uh, Ed's father gave them a shit ton of eggs, which he has cooked. And Ed, he cooks them, and they have four bowls set up. <laughs> and this whole scene and keeps four, cutting back. Four bowls and some for iron as well. And yes. I, I don't know if I've ever seen two grown men more aggressively eat to keep an awkward conversation from happening. Oh, yeah. This scene so, is so it's amazing. good. Just the nice both of them not wanting to deal with it. Yeah, they clearly don't want to talk about this at all. And the way they're like getting around it is by progressively shoving more and more eggs and in their mouth at one time. Eating their air their Yeah, like their eggs. bowls alone. And then, and then they move on to what was clearly Faye and Ed share of the eggs and just shove them even faster Two in their mouth. Two and three at a time. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so good. We cut back to Ayn, or Ed walking along the uh, earth. Uh, Ayn walks up and she gives a brief thing like, you can't come with me. I'm not coming back. And then she I'm says... like, no, take me with you. Yeah. And then she kind of relents and they go walking off into the sunset. And then the last shot is the bebop uh, in shadow with a pinwheel on the nose of it. One day we'll get the series, the sequel. The one good <laughs> sequel that could happen, which is... Ed and a dog. Ed and I. Ed and I. Adventures. Cowgirl. Master Hackers. Yeah, so 
I think this episode is probably the most emotionally charged one in the entire series, even more oh, than God, the finale. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of like things that we can't like. I tried to explain some of the more important shots, but there's like a lot of like small character quirks in this that like make more sense watching. Also, a lot of this episode uh, it really wisely kind of spends the payoff they've been building up with Faye yes. for so long. Oh like, God, the whole episode especially, is her. Yeah, it's like a, both a combination of the tension they've built up around her past over over this period of time, which is pretty good, but also like her character as a whole, like having her be kind of a hard ass to everybody, you know, all that stuff. And then just dropping the act all at once just for this episode, like really helps drive everything home. Yeah, it's I mean, really I feel strong. in terms of the character, she has the most complete story arc of yes. the four of them. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and just yeah. like this whole episode is about how she, it turns out she didn't actually want to know her past. It was kind of just a crush, a crutch. Like her current life is shitty enough. Surely her past life must have been better to her, and well, and when you know when the uh, when her the old lady was like introducing her yep. and trying to introduce her as the old Faye, Faye says, "Oh no, that's a ghost you're introducing. Like it's, not it's me good. Anymore. That person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that person isn't real." none of this is for me i'm gonna go like it's very much a realization of i've been chasing ghosts my as far as i am concerned and my memory is concerned my entire life yeah you know the pastor doesn't she's not her anymore like she wanted to know so much about it but like at the end of the day it doesn't matter because it's a different life that she was living she's formed a new personality yeah she's just she's a new person uh so the last two episodes are a two-parter the real folk blues um Episode 25 begins with an established shot of Mars in a city. There's a woman walking around in what appears to be like a huge city with an umbrella. It's Julia. Um, she walks into an apartment and gets a message on a machine that is, quote, The elders are making a move. You are in danger. Go quickly but quietly. Uh, we cut to the outside of a syndicate building. Uh, Vicious and crew just bust into a room and start shooting up. It's the van's room, but the van's were expecting them, and now it is a trap. Uh, the yeah, room said, just lights up, and it turns out they weren't where they thought they were, and there's a billion guns trained on them. Yeah, the vans, by the way, are those three old dudes who lead the syndicate. Um, so the vans say that the fortune teller has warned them that there would be a betrayal, and uh, now the trap has been sprung on Vicious, so he's going to be taken to the torture chamber. As he leaves, Vicious says that a snake's venom works slowly. Yes, and, um, it's like so dumb. Vicious is like, kill me, and they're like, no, you don't get to decide your death. I'm like, oh my god, just, <laughs> just shoot kill him. him. Just shoot him. Oh my god, yeah. you idiot. I also, as an aside here... We like, need to make sure that you deserve... We need to make sure you're cool. You don't want us to kill you. Then we can kill you. And he's like, all, all right. right. <laughs> so, as an aside here, the as he says, like, yeah, snakes of venom work slowly. The shot after that is the shot of his bird just perched up someplace, which is foreshadowing. But I always it's a think great it's, setup. But I always <laughs> think it's real funny that after they pulled him off, that no one was like, "So you got to get that bird down? How are we going to get that right. bird?" <laughs> yeah. You should have yeah. shot the bird, but yeah, oh well. During that the would, scene, the that bird would literally ran up there, be. Yeah. Yeah, that would absolutely be my first order of business. Yeah. I would be like, hey, there's a fucking bird in here. Like, as someone who's been in, like, a choir room that had a bat fly in, yep. it's just havoc. Yep. Whatever it happens. It's just like, oh, geez, well, we got to handle this. And then yeah. everyone panics. <laughs> Don't yeah, get that so bird. <laughs> we got the Spike and Jet. They're at the Loser Bar, which is a fantastic <laughs> name for a yes. bar. Also, it's a great shot because you first see Loser Bar, like, 
mirrored in a puddle on the street, and it just pans up slowly to the words loser bar. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's almost like a roast on these two. (laughs) They're the only ones in the bar. And it's like, yeah, exactly. It would be like uh, if both of them were wearing a shirt that said, I'm with stupid, with arrows pointing at each other. (laughs) It's very good. The loser bar called. They said your RSVP has gone through. (laughs) Yeah, so they're sitting there, Jets uh, talking about, like, now I know why you hated women and children. Ha, ha, ha. They're trying to make light. Um, oh, the they fact both they've been abandoned. Yeah, they both immediately kind of look over their shoulder and notice guys outside, and a huge shootout starts. Uh, it's the syndicate. They're after him for whatever reason. Uh, during this, Jag, uh, Jag, Jet gets his leg shot. Um, inside comes... Oh, r- no! Jet's jeaned leg. His Jag. His jag. Oh, no! <laughs> gets his jagging shot out. Jumpsuit <laughs> jeans to be... Jeans. Oh, never mind. Uh, uh, we're going too deep. Yeah. Ah, speed jeans. <laughs> um, so they're about to get shot by a guy, but it looks like Lin, but it's Shin, his brother. Remember Lin from, um, what was it? Lion? Jazz, Jupiter Jazz. Jupiter Jazz, yeah. Um, so Shin, who is Lin's brother, comes in. He is still inside the syndicate and is dressed as such. Um, he comes over and says that Vicious has tried a coup, but it has failed. And now that the syndicate is trying to clean up anyone associated with Vicious, which means Spike. Um, he Poor gives Spike. Spike. He had nothing to do with this. Yeah, it's kind of sad, but, you know. Uh, he gives Spike uh, Julia's location, which perks Spike's interests, and then helps them escape because Jet has a busted leg. Uh, we cut over to the doctor's office. This is the doctor um, who's seen, I forgot what episode it was. Uh, the one with the where they get Ayn, the Kareem Abdul-Jai. It's yeah. the same doctor who gave that guy the plastic surgery, but, um, yeah, he's getting... Straight uh, on Jet, strut. Yeah, he's getting Jet's uh, leg patched up. Uh, Jet thinks that Vicious and Julia sound like bad news and Spike shouldn't do anything, but Spike is off in his own world. Um, we see a flashback. This is the same flashback that has shown up a couple times previously, um, like in the episode in the church shootout, but this time it's complete and in focus, and there's actually voices this time. So we see that Julia, um, we see Spike meeting with Julia. He says this is the last job he's doing. He's leaving the syndicate after this, and that he wants Julia to come with him. And uh, Julia kind of cuts uns- back to like the very, or harkens back to the very first episode. Yeah, and, and uh, Julia's unsure if she wants to go or not. Uh, we then cut to present day. Julia is driving around in a very nice convertible. Uh, she has her own flashback here. It is a vicious with a gun to her head, uh, saying that in order to that she can't be leaving the syndicate, it was stupid of her to even think she could, and to prove her loyalty to the syndicate, she has to kill Spike. Um, and then the last shot of this is her ripping up that note that Spike gave her in the previous scene and throwing it out the window. Uh, we cut to the Faye at a spaceport. Uh, she's watching her ship get loaded into a bigger ship to go someplace. Um, she turns around and sees this woman who's upset. Um, this woman says that, like, I don't care if anybody loves me. I don't want to live a life in someone's and here, way. She's an older lady as well. It should be yeah. One of the best yes. scenes in Cowboy Bebop. Oh, my God. It's this is low-key, like, some of the strongest, like, world building and making the place just fucking so relatable. And it's got... If if the closing of Big Shots had HQ energy, this has every startup that's closing in 2019, 2020, 2018, 2017, 2016 energy, you know? <laughs> yeah, so this woman, I should mention, she's a, a older black woman. Uh, she says that she doesn't want to live a life that's in anyone's way, and she's upset that no one's come for her. But then um, off camera, we hear Punch uh, show up, the guy from Big Shots. Um, she starts calling out to him. His name is, real name is Alfred, apparently. And, it also uh, sounds very different. Yeah, he's here. not putting on the accent anymore. Yes, yes, he just sounds like a very like normal a guy. dude. 
Yeah. I, yeah, instead of being like, boy, howdy, everybody, it's me, Punch today. Like, he's just like, oh, hey, mom, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Nice to see you, mom. Like, it's great. Yeah, so he's like, oh, mom, you didn't have to go away from the restaurant. I'm here now, though. I'm happy to see you. And they all, you know, make up. And she asks him, and she's like, are you okay with when I, you know, living with me and everything? And he says, like, you know, it's fine. You know, we'll move on. I'll find a new job. And then the mother asks, like, what about that coworker of yours? And she's like, oh, I heard she's getting married to her producer. <laughs> <Which is funny. laughs> yeah, see, I didn't actually realize who it was until it was like, oh, what about that co-host? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the so street different. and yeah. a completely different, like, persona. Yeah, yeah, he's it's so different. Too. And, like, the thing is, yeah, he's so different, and they kind of, like, even make a joke about it, because Faye, who wa- clearly watches Big Shots pretty often, yeah. is just kind of like, oh, that guy's so familiar, but I just can't can't place it. <laughs> oh, could be anything. <laughs> uh, so we cut over to Faye. Uh, she's down at her red tail now. Um, she gets a call from Spike and is hesitant to answer it, but she does. He is no nonsense. He wants her to go back to the Bebop immediately and help Jet. And she's like, why would I come back? He's like, well, it's kind of hard when Jet has his legs shot up. Spike's in real... Julia mode right now, so serious times. Yeah. Uh, she gets real mad. She's like, why would I ever come back? I have some place to go to here and hangs up on him. And uh, she gets out of her ship and thinks like, you know, it's fine. Jet will be fine. He has Ed and Nine to help him, which not knowing that they've walked off. Um, she then turns over and sees that Julia is being chased in her car by a bunch of uh, syndicate guys in their car. So she runs out into the middle of the street, shoots up the syndicate car and gets in the back of Julia's car. Um, they make their escape and later they park on a highway and have a talk. They talk about being bounty hunters. Um, Faye is like, hey, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool if we partnered up. I always wanted to partner with another woman. But Julia declines and says that she's actually looking for a bounty hunter. Um, she's like, has to, like, do you know where bounty hunters hang out? Which is right next to the place where the sailors do. Of course. Um, I'm, uh, she's, At the loser bar. <laughs> yeah, the loser bar, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, she says she's got to drive her back, so they do. And on the way back, they exchange names. Um, when this she scene says is it, her- great because Faye is like, "Oh, my name's Faye," and Julia's like, "Faye," and she's like, "Oh, it's it's pretty common." And then Julia's like, "Well, my name's Julia," and Faye's like, "Julia," and <laughs> it's pretty common. And they both know who each other are now, but they're both yeah. like, "No, there's no way that that can't be right." Yeah, so when Julia drops Faye off, um, she tells Faye to relay a message to Spike saying, I'll be waiting for him there. He'll know what it means. And Faye is like all shocked and wide-eyed, but Julia drives off without her. Back on the Bebop, Jet wakes up. He's got his leg all shot up, and he's kind of feeling it. He walks over to the bridge where Spike is just kind of watching Mars pass under him. Yeah, it turns Uh, out Spike made the ship take off and is heading towards almost certain death. Yeah. So Jet tells him a story. Apparently it's The Snows of Kilimanjaro by Hemingway. Um, I remember reading that back in middle school, and I don't remember <laughs> a thing about it. But uh, he sums it up saying that like a guy was leaving this, uh, the savannah when he's about to die and looks down and sees the you know Mount Kilimanjaro and is like, that's where I was going. And says that like he always hated those stories, and like men always think about the things they've done in their past right before they're dying, that Spike should abandon you know, his, what he's about to do. As Spike is sitting there heading off to his death. Yeah. He's like, you already died once, Spike. Let it go. And Spike's like, I can't abandon Julia. She's like a part of me that I've left. So Faye comes back onto the Bebop. Um, Jet starts to berate her, but she is not concerned with him at all. She is looking for Spike. Um, Jet, at this point, gets a call from Bob. Bob is panicky that um, 
he's panicking, but he's happy to see the jet's still fine. Apparently, Bob just got like information knowing that the syndicate's going apeshit trying to kill everyone because of the failed coup attempt. And he knows that they're going after Spike. So that's why he was concerned about Jet. Um, Fike. Fike. Faye goes to talk to Spike and give him the message. But at that point, uh, the syndicate starts attacking the Bebop in orbit. Um, as this is Spike also is getting... a really good moment because Faye is super hesitant to tell Spike what's going like what she knows. Because she knows that that's probably the end of this. She's going to kill him. she says yeah. it. Yeah. It's such a like... They they have a big scene in the next episode, but you look at this scene and it is like just one of the most emotionally charged scenes in the entire show where she doesn't want to say it. Yeah, the yeah. scene in particular here is Spike is cleaning a gun with his back to the door and she goes into the door frame and like she has this look of like, I need to tell him something that's going to hurt him a lot, but I don't want to. It's going like, to hurt me breaking too. The news. And he just kind of like says like, so do you have information or something like that? And she's like, well, she like reverts back to her, you know, hard ass persona. Is like, oh, it's going to cost you money. He's like, well, I don't have anything. And then he starts to leave. And that's when the syndicate starts shooting well, up the bebop. The other thing, too, he does a thing that is extremely style. <laughs> like he does a very style play there where he doesn't even look up or turn to look at Faye. He just sees her in the reflection of his whiskey, which yep. they show on camera. Yep. It's oh, it's so How'd good. You know I was like there? she doesn't even. Yeah, she. Do, yeah, exactly. She has a moment of like, "What do you? How'd you see me?" And it's yeah, clearly the reflection in the whiskey, which is great. <laughs> so yeah, as he's getting into the swordfish about to go take off, um, she does tell him that the message from Julia saying like, "I'll meet you there." At the usual and, spot. Yeah, Spike uh, kind of has a. A non-reaction to it, like he he, how do I explain this? He's obviously concerned about it and knows that Julia's alive now, but like he doesn't want to betray that to Faye. Yeah, by what he's saying, so he plays it cold. But um, he's trying to hide it, but it's pretty obvious that it was meaningful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he takes off to fight the syndicate. Um, we cut over to the van. They're about to execute Vicious, who's up in chains against the wall. Um, they ask him if he has anything to leave this earth, and he says nothing. Whatever. Uh, right as they're about to shoot him by firing squad, uh, out of the rafters comes that bird. That uh, fucking bird, bird. Yeah, that bird blows up right in front of the vans, killing one of them. Uh, chaos ensues. Some of the guards, I guess, were double-crossing each other. Um, and yeah, suddenly they just start turning on the other guards and freeing Vicious. This yeah. is why you just killed him. <laughs> you should have just killed him. Yeah. Uh, Vicious um, then grabs the sword. <laughs> Someone brought his sword to Vicious, which of is great. Of course they did. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, so Vicious uh, goes up and kills the last van, and then he says, like, I'm in control now. The red dragon belongs to me. Uh, back in space, the dogfight is happening. Spike fends off, fends off most of the syndicates, but both the Redtail and the Bebop have taken a ton of damage. Uh, he flies right in front of the bridge of the Bebop, and Jet tells him, like, listen, go find what you've lost and take it back. So Spike just flies off into the sunset. Figure your shit out. And the last scene of this episode is Spike at the graveyard with a rose, and Julia's there, and she pulls a gun on him. And it's worth noting this scene is shot in such a way that you're really not sure if it's, if it's flashback. current time yeah, or flashback. Like, yeah. he's, it's also two memories, which was the first song in the first episode we saw. And it's like the same style shot. Yeah, it's cutting back between all the memories and everything. And it's like, is she doing this to him now? Is Are we finally seeing what actually happened to Spike? And the episode just fucking ends. He also has uh, Rose. Yes. Which has been, yeah. you know, big imagery throughout the whole flashbacks is the rose. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, so there's a lot of real cool style stuff in this episode. Um, 
the first one I like. One thing. I'll go for it. Sorry. I was going to say one thing I love uh, right away is like uh, the whole buildup of Vicious kind of standing against the old guard largely because of their ways and like feeling the need to be locked to these weird old protocols that kind of suck and are clearly getting in the way. And like, that's his stance against, you know, the syndicate, obviously the syndicate has problems, obviously vicious has problems, but he, um, vicious has problems is the statement of the century. Vicious has problems. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but, um, the thing is like, he really does exploit the thing he hates about them so much to do it because like the whole thing of just kill him, just kill him. That's exactly what he would do. That's why he hates it. Like, that's the thing. He He hates that they don't just kill him. Like he straight up says like, just kill me. And they're like, no, we have to do protocol. And he's like, you're dumb and your protocol is going to get you fucking killed. (laughs) And then it super does. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, really small style shots I kind of skipped over when I was doing the recap here. Uh, the first one is when Julia enters her apartment at the beginning of the episode. It's completely dark except for, like, the shadow of the the light coming in through the windows. But there's rain on the window, so it has, like, this cool kind of wavy style effect they got yes. going on. Um, when Spike and Jed are at the loser bar, um, they uh, Spike jumps over the bar at one point. The bartender gets shot the fuck up during this. Yep, and uh, Spike goes to the shaker and drinks some of it. He's like, too much vermouth. Which I thought was funny. Yeah, he's just yes. like, I knew it. Too much vermouth. And he just throws it out at a guy to distract him. It's such a great shot. Um, when they're in the shootout in the bar and Shin comes in, like, Spike is no nonsense right there because he's, you know, in a shootout. But when uh, Shin mentions Julia, his eye, his eye kind of twitches for a second. Yep. Which is, again, another small touch. Um, yeah, the entire flashback scene when uh, we actually see what transpired between Julia and Spike. Um, there's a very good shot where this shows the two of them talking, but it's their shadows in a small like square window in the center of the screen, and it's dark the rest of it. I, I, I don't know how else to describe that other than like it, it's framed really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, because this whole scene has kind of been like a focal point of the show as a whole and they're still giving you information about it in the final episodes. Yeah. Um, there's some cool animation of Julia's car going through smoke during the chase scene with him and or her and Faye, um, Faye leaning over the back of the trunk. Faye's really good at shooting out tires. I gotta say. Yeah. Also, those- Faye is a ludicrous shot <laughs> for the record. Yeah. Both of those cars flip. Like I feel that that should be recalled or something like they go through crash. Want- <laughs> Like, at least two or three syndicate members 20 feet in the air when they crash. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best scenes, I think, in this one is Jet's monologue on the bridge about the Snows of Kilimanjaro thing. Um, when he's talking about the whole death part, both of them are facing the front uh, window, like, with their backs to the camera as, like, Mars passes under them. Um, but then, like, when uh, Jet starts talking about, like, um, you need to stop thinking about your past. It's going to get you killed. It's from the outside looking in to the front of them, mm-hmm. which I thought was some fun symbolism there. Um, <laughs> there's a small shot when uh, Faye lands on the bridge, or Faye lands on the bebop and wants to give Spike the information. She uh, Jet asks why she's here, and she's like, I'm looking for the guy with the fuzzy hair, to which Jet just kind of palms his bald head. <laughs> you can't even call him Spike. Yeah. She's like, fuck off. <laughs> that whole interaction is great. Because it, it is this sort of thing where she can't really decide whether she loves them or hates them. 
Yeah. And we'll we'll get the really big moment at the end of the next, next episode, episode yeah. here. Uh, the last one I really like is um, when Vicious is broken free and is about to kill the last van member. Um, he's standing in front of the van dude with a sword. And it does the thing that he did with like the uh, killing of the other syndicate members where it shows their shocked faces and then the after effects of what happens. Um, like he says something like you will shed tears of scarlet and then like it shows the van's shocked face for a fraction of a second and then like that guy getting sliced up from behind yep just a rain of blood right at his eye level like that's what i think like the show in general like never shows the violence per se it always shows the after effects of the violence like letting your brain put together what happened off angle yeah so uh i guess let's get to the last one let's finish this up yeah let's do it yeah So, uh, first off, no tank. Um, it's just a title card. And we see the shot from the previous episode of Julian Spike in the Graveyard. Um, she says something to the effect of, it was raining on that day as well, but I didn't come because I was supposed to kill you. And Spike's like, well, you would have been free. And so we see flashbacks again, uh, this time of her sleeping with Vicious and Spike being injured and her nursing him back to health. Um, she then goes up to him and, like, and hugs him and says that like we should run away and just forget everything. It cuts over the shin at the Red Dragon HQ. We see in the aftermath of the coup, um, there's a lot of bodies on the floor. Um, Vicious comes up and he tells Vicious that Spike is not dead, um, that Julie escaped and he's looking for them. And he's It turns out Shin was in on the double coup. Yeah, he's with Vicious, but he's also helping Spike, is yes. the way I read that. Um, yeah, because think- basically he was pretending he was with the syndicate people when he was sent to kill Spike, but he was actually still with Vicious, but he's actually also on Spike and Julia's side because he doesn't really approve of Vicious doing this. As an aside, like, I don't know if this is because he felt that something was done to his brother, because in this scene, Vicious tells him not to follow in Jin's footsteps. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if he's doing this for Spike's benefit because of what Vicious did to Jin, but... It's very, like, you you suddenly have to do a lot of mental gymnastics just to get there. As an aside, though, I do like there is a small tick of his neck sweating when Vicious comes into the scene. Like, it's a very close-up, purposeful shot of that. Mm-hmm. This is to show that he is terrified of this man. Yeah? I mean, yeah. Fair. So, uh, Julia and Spike drive by Annie's, and eventually they break into it. She has been shot and is dying uh, on a bench inside her store. Annie, by the way, was one of uh, Spike's friends back during the syndicate gaze. The old woman, the older woman who... Yeah, we uh, met her once yeah. uh, in the first Vicious episode. Yeah. Yeah, the lady who he ran into the shop and then, like, she brought down a bag full of grenades from the fridge. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually, like, episode six or something. That was a church episode, yeah. Um, So she tells them uh, that everybody has lost their sense of place in the world, that the syndicate's going crazy and the vicious needs to be stopped or whatever. Uh, Julia walks into the shop and she's happy for them and then just dies. And they're both kind of sad about that. Spike goes into the back and gets a bunch of supplies, which are like guns and grenades and shit. Uh, Julia yeah, and he says, was packing heat. Yeah. Julie says, like, oh, you won't need them if we're going to run. But then she has the realization that he's staying here. And she's like, okay, if you're not running, I'm going to stay with you then. Uh, back on the Bebop, Jet is trying to fix stuff because, again, his ship got shot up last episode. Uh, Faye walks in the scene and they have a conversation about how Spike is nothing but trouble. He's probably dead right now. And it kind of starts insinuating that because Jet told him to go find what he needed to, that it's his fault. So he explodes on her saying, like, you know, my ship is busted. I'm, you know, shot up. Like, this sucks. You know, screw you. And then, like, immediately they both kind of turn away and feel bad about the whole thing. He then asks her what Julia was like. And she says, like, she has a dangerous kind of ordinary beauty, which... 
I don't know if that's a translation thing, but it's entirely. <laughs> right, hey. Yeah. Um, the syndicate starts attacking Spike and Julia, who are still at Annie's shop. So they have a shootout and eventually escape onto the roof. Um, the whole thing is she gets shot here. The way she gets shot here is weird because it does a lot of John Woo symbolism. This um, is such a John Woo shot. It's so John Woo. So when they yeah. leave, first off, when they're going up the stairs and everything, there's a lot of John Woo like effects of dudes getting shot, which we talked about in the previous episode. Blowing but, a guy down the stairs and shit yeah. like that. But as they go out into the roof where they're escaping, um, there's a lot of crows just leaving. And every time like they do a new shot, there's more like black birds leaving. And so when they actually show the effects of Julia getting shot... They linger show... on this for a long yeah. time. So the scene is, um, there's no dialogue or music here. We see a close-up shot of Spike reacting to something. Then it's a first-person shot of the syndicate mook on the stairway with a gun. The mook then getting shot from a third-person perspective while being shooting. And then Julia is in profile, falling in slow motion while doves are behind her. It's super John Woo. It's almost corny. Yes, the doves that weren't in the church episode have made it. (laughs) Have finally arrived. They finally arrived. They fly out behind her as she falls in super slow motion. Yeah. For at least it's, 30 seconds, yeah. like, of falling pure. Yeah, and it cuts between her falling and and Spike's, like, Spike uh, like reaction, yeah. close-up of Spike freaking out, like, just despair in his eyes as she falls. Yeah, so he tosses down the shotgun and runs over to her. Um, she says something, but, like, we don't hear what she says and then dies. We cut to uh, Jet flying his hammerhead over to Laughing Bull, looking for Spike. He's asking, he's like, can you help me find him? Laughing Bull starts going off on his monologue saying that everybody has a star that comes into the heavens when they are born and that goes out when they die. Spike's star is about to fall. And um, Jet's, like, disbelieving and uncomfortable with this entire talk. That's bullshit. I never yeah, believe he, that shit. He's in denial. And then... Um, Running Bull, or Laughing Bull says, like, uh, don't show fear. Death will come gently and all that. Uh, we see Vicious. He is at Annie's place looking at the aftermath of what happened. Um, says that Spike is... They find Julia's robe and they somehow surmise that she's dead. Um, this says that Spike will now be coming to him because he has no place left to run. We got to the Bebop. Uh, Spike has returned. The Jet's kind of surprised at this. He thought he was running off forever. And uh, he says Jet he's very hungry. Jet was sleeping on the couch, too. Like, <laughs> really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, he says that he's very hungry, so Jet makes him some food. And they bitch about each other, saying, like, oh, your food still sucks. And he's like, why are you eating so much of it then? Uh, Spike then gives this talk about a story. He's like, this is about the cat who couldn't die. He talks about this cat who lived a million lives and died a million times and kept coming back. But eventually he broke free one day and found this other white cat that he grew in love with and then grew old and that cat died. And so the other cat died and he didn't come back to life. Mm. And Jet gets like all profound. He's like, yeah, Jet gets all profound. He's like, I like that story. And Spike's like, that story sucks, dude. You know I hate cats. (laughs) and then they have the world's most awkward laugh. It's, it's because... such a bebop like moment. If you if you wanted one moment that kind of summarizes this entire show, it's really this conversation on the couch. Two buds who still have quite a bit of false machismo between the two of them, just trying to drop it for a second. Yeah, it's you know, like yeah. you've been through all of this shit. They've all been, you know, they're all feeling like absolute shit, but. Fuck it. It's really about the moments on the couch rather than the big wacky action scenes. 
Yeah. And so Spike gets up, he goes to walk away, and as he's going, Jet asks him, is like, so are you doing it for her? And Spike kind of coldly gives him the news that she's dead. And you can tell, even though, like, you don't really see all of his face because Jet puts his hand and kind of, like, pulls his hair back or whatever, like, Jet knows that he said something he really shouldn't have, and he feels awful about it. As uh, Spike is walking out, uh, Faye kind of holds him up at gunpoint and um, says that... uh, you know, you told me once to forget the past. Why are you still chasing yours? And so Spike kind of stares in her. He gets, like, right up in her personal space and says that, like, one eye sees the past, the other the present. And this is like, left me in a dreamlike state. He also mentions that uh, one of his eyes is fake. Yeah. Which we've seen before in, like, the small kid, yeah. space kid episode. Um, Faye starts protesting, saying, like, listen, my memory came back, but it didn't help at all. Like, I have no place to go, and I realize that this is the only place I have left, and the Bebop is home, and I don't want to see you leave. And this yep. is, again, like, Faye letting down her normal persona to actually say her true emotions. Yep. This is this is all I had. I kept thinking that maybe someday, you know, like, maybe if I remembered who I was, I would find somewhere to belong. But no, it turns out it's just you fuckers. You're my family, so f- don't go off and die, yep. idiot. Yeah, so he says that he's leaving not to die, but to see if he's really alive. Um, again, this kind of mirrors some of the themes that the movie had in a way. But um, And as he walks off the Bebop face, just starts angrily shooting the inside of it. Um, the next is part is a montage to the song uh, See You Space Cowboy, which itself is the real folk blues, but instrumental. Um, we see the montage of Spike leaving his jet. Uh, jet is cleaning up the Bebop a bit since it's all a mess. Faye is just upset in the hallway. Jet is very stoic about everything, lighting a cigarette. Um, there's a flash between scenes of the past of Spike and Julia meeting each other, um, fucking, and, you know, dealing with the fallout of Spike trying to leave and the vicious taking the throne. The next is a huge fight scene that goes on for pretty much the rest of the episode. This fight scene is also one of the best in the entire show. Oh, Super John Woo again. Um the cut over most of it, Spike is storming the Red Dragon's HQ and there's a huge firefight. A lot of the shots here are actually deliberate, deliberate references to the church shootout scene in like the way that they're shot. Um, him throwing grenades, pulling grenades with his teeth, getting shot in one of the arm and having it fall down. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like callbacks, I guess you can say, but it's in a different place. There's a lot of themes of Spike repeats his past forever yep. and is stuck. Yeah. And that is... They, yeah, they really play with that if you compare them, like, side by side with, yeah, the church shootout. You're absolutely right. Yep. Um, during the shootout, he meets Shin, uh, who tells him where Vicious is. Uh, Shin eventually does get shot himself. Thanks, Spike, for coming back and then dies. The last scene of this is Spike uh, going to the top floor where uh, Vicious is awaiting. There's an explosion and, like, a bunch of debris everywhere. Blows the entire roof off of his throne room, basically. I don't know how he planted all that. Like, he was I, going up the building. I'm not sure exactly how it goes, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah, don't worry about it. Awesome. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so they reiterate that they're the only two people that can kill each other, like they said back during the church scene. Uh, Spike, at this point, we see a first-person shot from his perspective. He's starting to get woozy, but he charges up the staircase to where Vicious is at the top of it, and they have a fight scene. Again, a nice Spike, fight. Spike, you have a gun. He has a knife. Shoot. Okay. A katana, uh, thank you. <laughs> means a Japanese sword. Uh, they start fighting. Japanese katana sword. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah so the fight scene goes on for a bit. Uh, eventually, they knock each other's weapons out of each other's hands, and they fall at each other's feet. They both reach to each other's ones for this final speech they give. 
Yeah, Spike tells him Julia's dead, and he says it's time to end it. So they kick each other's weapons at each other, and then shoot and stab each other in kind of like a, I don't know, double KO situation. So fucking good. Again, it's one of the scenes where like you see them kick the swords to each other, and then it shows the fallout after of them. Like, from behind, after they have both shot and swiped Spike at each other. Spike gets slashed in the stomach, and Vicious is shot in the chest. Yeah. And so we see Vicious, like, his face front on. He just kind of groans and falls over and died. Uh, Spike then looks up to the sky, and now it is where it flashbacks to that unspoken dialogue from Julia in the previous episode. She says, it's all a dream, and he just says, yeah. Uh, Spike then starts stumbling down the stairs that... Um, for leading up the Vicious's throne room, I guess. As a bunch, a bunch of, of mooks rush into the room and, like, stare at him kind of wide-eyed. Yeah, the mooks really don't know what to do, so they're just kind of watching him. And then the last scene of his him staring at the camera, pointing out his finger guns, yelling bang, and falling over face-first on the stairs. And so the ending is a pullback crane shot way far above him uh, to the song Blue. Um it kind of pans up and we see a cityscape with birds flying and then it continues to tilt up into a cityscape and pastels, the blue sky, the credits start up and then eventually goes to space. And then the last shot is a star, a single star going out. And then this sign says, uh, you're going to carry that weight. That's Cowboy Bebop. So good. Yeah, so... Um, I guess other stuff we kind of skipped over. The entire beginning of this episode, uh, everything that they're doing, like the present day, is all in grayscale. It's very drab, very rainy. Um, yep. Him and Julia at the at the graveyard, them going to Annie's place, um, them escaping. There's like yeah, no color. Like all of all of Spike's interactions with Julia and all of his interactions that are like explicitly with his past are almost all in the grayscale stuff. And then whenever he's interacting with his present, it's all in color again. Yes. So like whenever he's talking to Faye or Jet or whatever and they're on the ship, that's just full color normal shots. But as soon as Julia's in the picture, instantly everything turns gray. Yep. Yeah, it's great. It also it's, does this, it's so good. It also does this like stylistic thing like, like since they're almost always in the rain when they're in the Julia shots, like she has a very like shiny complexion to her. Like her hair is extremely shiny and glossy. Like him is he's always wet in these scenes. Yep. Um, one of the shots where uh, she's talking to, where she tells him in Annie's shop that like oh, I'm gonna stay with you to the end. He he's loading a shotgun and he kind of pauses while she says that. Like he's kind of had a realization. He knows what's about to happen, but yeah. who's he really to say at this point if she's choosing this? Yeah. After after he earlier tells a story to his friend where a guy who just was stuck in the past and couldn't die finally met a beautiful woman he loved, <laughs> but then she died, and then he immediately after finally died. What? <laughs> like, Foreshadowing? Be, no, no, no. Spike could be Spike could be ready for anything to happen in particular, especially this literal exact situation. <laughs> Oh, God, Um, I love how in this episode, like, this is the big serious time episode. They still have their moment on the couch of, like... Well, it's like death humor, almost. Like, he knows what's going to happen, and they have to... They all know what's about to happen, basically. And that's why Faye gets so fucked up about it. Oh, yeah, there really is no other way this ends, you know? Like, Spike cannot escape his past. Mostly because of himself, more than anything else. But oh, absolutely himself. Yeah, it's a hundred percent on himself. Yeah, for sure. At any point, 
Um, there's a really good shot here. When Laughing Bull is talking to Jet during this entire monologue where he's talking about the stars and everything and how death is coming, Laughing Bull is like completely unflinching while like Jet is denying it and keeps like shoving his head to the side and side, like trying to ignore, not like believe what's happening. Jet is terrified the entire time. Well, because yeah. his best friend's about to run off and get himself killed and there's nothing he can do about it. Uh, another really good shot is when after uh, Jet or after Spike leans into Faye and talks about his eyes and the past and everything, Faye starts talking about her memory coming back. During this, she never faces the camera. She looks at a wall and then like there's shots of like her shoes, the back of her legs, the side of her neck, but like never her face. Like she's embarrassed to talk about it, which I thought was a very good touch. I, I love Faye throughout like all three of these last episodes because she is going through so much and basically one of her only family finger figures is trying to get himself killed basically yeah and you know she can't really stop him and she knows it yeah and then the last thing the uh fight scene between vicious and um spike the when they kick like again it doesn't show the effects of the violence only the after effects so like it shows them kicking each other's weapons at each other and then you see like the sword dragging at the ground and then you see Vicious's back and Spike's front as like they're being have already been shot and sliced. Yep. Which mm-hmm. I like. It's- oh god. One thing I love is after the exchange happens and Spike is walking down the stairs, they have him with the most comedically heavenly backlighting yes. oh, as yeah. he's doing it. Like it is God rays th- turned up to maximum for Spike watching and walking down the stairs here. Well, of course he just, he falls walking down to uh, go ahead. being dead. Yeah. 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 It's all pastels and stuff. The, the colors of the stairs and everything after being so gray and, and Gritty dark and everything. And yeah, they just dial that brightness right up. Falls in and the choir starts up again, singing Who Is Your Messiah? Yeah, there's also like, no, that's the thing I should say, like for the most of this episode, at least the beginning part of it anyway, there's no music. Mm -hmm. Like they only bring out the music for when he leaves the bebop for the final time and like the credits really. Which again, like when music has been so integral in the entire series... And, like, so prominent. And, yeah, like, obviously, like, what's the first thing people talk about when they mention Cowboy Bebop as a whole? Like, it's got to be, like, either, like, the style, the aesthetic, but, like, the soundtrack, right? The sound tank is so fucking good. Yeah, like, all the soundtrack is so bomb. So, like, having an episode, the final episode, no less, that just really doesn't do music again it's 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 a lot like how Faye opening up is so drastic yep. because of how much of a hard ass she's been the entire series much in the same way the music has been so integral that like not having it here really kind of nails home like this is serious time yep. <laughs> this is bad yeah spike is spike's marching to his death <laughs> like it's not great also the, i forgot to mention um after the star goes out in the last thing they show a like kind of black and white sketch of spike smiling on the ground before it does the title card if you're going to carry that weight which kind of reminds me of like atashi no joe like the final shot of that series did something very famous in similar like 30 years before it hmm. so i wonder if that's like a reference at all but probably mm. But yeah, that's, I guess that's Cowboy Bebop. Um, It's amazing how fast it goes by. Yeah, it's one of those things where you don't realize, you're like, oh, 26 episodes, that's a pretty quick one. And then it's just like, they're all so good and they're all so unique that it never drags. Like, 
Cowboy Bebop doesn't give itself a chance to drag. It doesn't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't. Yeah, it's they clearly came in with a plan for episodes one through twenty six and a plan to. I mean, it's it's known right that like the producer came in. Or, like, the creator came in and said, like, right away, like, nope, there is an ending, and it is episode 26, and that's the end, and there's no more after this. Don't ask me ever again. <laughs> <Yep>. Like, <laughs> from what I understand, like, was super hard up on it, and, like, some of the crew was, like, actively upset about this as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know what well, we're doing next? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what we're doing immediately next. <laughs> I'm not taking notes for that. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, no, 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 I, I, I co-note taking notes either. <laughs> watch, but I watched Grown Ups two, three times. <laughs> I wrote notes for Grown Ups too. I had to stop and pause and actually form coherent thoughts about what was happening to put it on paper. Uh, all right, fine. I'll be the notes guy for this movie. <laughs> By the way, the movie is the first Sex in the City movie. <sighs> We're gonna. I've heard, I've heard a lot of things about that film. Has anyone I've here actually seen things. the series? Because no. I haven't. No. I mean, Perfect. when it was out, I don't think my mom would have let me watch any show that had the word "sex" in the title. So. <laughs> my big issue is that I am so far removed from Sex in the City culturally. Like, not only was I not of the correct demographic, I was also not of the correct time or the correct region or the correct... Like, I am so far removed that, to me, I un- my understanding of Sex in the City is that it's entourage for women, which is fucked up, because entourage, entourage was Sex in the up. City for dudes. <laughs> yeah, and also, entourage, I, I have... I've never seen entourage either. I oh, only really? know it from references and jokes. <laughs> just, see, I was, so, I was 9 to 15 when it was running. There is no way my mom would let me watch a show <laughs> with the word sex in the title. Are you kidding me? No. That's crazy. <laughs> wow, that's oh, unbelievable. So yeah, we'll be watching the... Um, Sex in the City movie, I guess, because we're going to keep up this tradition of very good movies with very good sequels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wait, do we have to I watch know, the like... show in preparation? No. Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. Not enough time in the world. Fuck no. Fuck Jesus. no. If we do that shit, I'm like starting up a Patreon for just this show separately, and it's going to be like $3 million. <laughs> we'll do it. Fine. <laughs> like, 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 fine. If you demand it, we'll do it. That's all. That's all I'm taking. Uh, it, oh. So yeah, next time on Podcast of the Galactic Heroes, fucking sex in the city. <laughs> so hmm. <sighs> see you, sex cowboy. Till next time. <laughs> see you, sex cowboy. <laughs>